good morning. Great to see you this morning. We're coming to the table, right? Because it seems like the table is the place where so often we figured, we figured life out and we're figuring life out. As we have, uh, uh, you know, sat as a kid and listened to our parents talk and, and uh, maybe grandma and grandma were there. and Listened to them talk about life and, and hopefully the Lord and his truth and, and promises and how he's come through. And is at the table we learn so much, right? And we, uh, as we become adults, we, send, we tend to gather around the table to figure things out. And so we're gathering around the table, so to speak, of this whole thing about family. Family, this gift that God has given to us, the design of God, uh, the way for him to be able to show us how to love, uh, how to experience companionship, relationship, as he is relational, and, and as he is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in, this, in that relationship, he's created us in this way, and he's given us the family to live that out, to experience the joys of that, but also a chance for us to, to live out his word and his way in our, in our families, and to even transfer that on to the next generation and generation and generation. And, and so we've, we've, we've talked about certain things through the weeks. You know, we started with, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Good, godly families don't just happen by accident. It's intentional. And uh, we talked about things like uh, one of the most obvious things in our families. What do we do with conflict? And we walked through uh, some principles uh, that scriptures use to help us to understand how to navigate through conflict. And then we talked about the, the idea, especially in Deuteronomy, as a foundational piece for the Israelite people. God trying to communicate to them what does a, a good family look like and, and talking about spending time with their family and speaking to them and about God and, and, and when you are on the way or when you're sitting down or when you're lying, all that stuff, it screams at us that there must be time spent together. You say, well, that seems obvious. Well, yeah, but guess what? The numbers that our culture is telling us is astounding. Like 30 minutes a week is like father and son time now. 30 minutes or something. It's just amazing. Blow your mind. Because our culture, our world, is so intent on pursuing its own thing, doing its own way. And it's just like family's here for me, but I'm really just more interested. And so we just don't, and the scripture's saying godly families, quality time is central to that. Living this out with one another. And we switched gears to marriage because guess what? When God created man in the garden, it was soon after that he saw that he wanted to create woman. And that is the foundational relationship in all of the world, I believe. Human relationship in all of the world. And we, I truly believe that when marriages are strong and healthy and Christ-centered, Families will then be strong and healthy and Christ-centered. The more families that are strong and healthy and Christ-centered, our communities are affected in that way. And it just keeps going out like a ripple. So, what do we need to know about marriage? What are some things from Scripture that help us to, to, uh, to grab a hold of? We talked first week about seeking God. 
Um, uh, and, and really the keystone habit or the principle that we derive from that, I believe is at the corner of seeking God is this question, are you praying together? Are you praying together? So I ask you this week, have you prayed together? Husbands, wives, have you prayed together? Because whatever I say beyond that, you know, it's really not gonna matter much. Um, you can go ahead and write your grocery list for the week or uh, uh, think about your schedule or, uh, I don't know, take a nap. Just don't make it obvious, okay? You know, the whole head bobber guy, you know? Um, because this is foundational to everything, seeking God together and in that praying together. Have you prayed together? If you would say, yeah, do you intend to do it again this week? If you say no, are you going to start this week? Praying together, seeking God together. And I think that's something simple to grab from that, praying together. You know, because when you pray together, it just snowballs. It's like a keystone habit Then the word together. And it just, it just snowballs. So seek God, fight fair. And last week, we talked through... Um, the scriptures tell us, <laughs> Paul said, listen, in marriage, there's gonna be trouble. That's what he said. Um, and we've all figured that out, right? Those of us that are married. Two becoming one, which is God's design, God's intent, it, 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 takes, it takes a coming together, right? A figuring it out. And there is conflict that always happens, always happens. Um, and so it's not a matter of if we fight, but how are we gonna fight? Are we gonna fight Fair. We're going to fight in ways the scriptures tell us that are right, productive, that bring about healing, that bring about resolution, that bring about actually a togetherness that strengthens and tightens the relationship. Because we're working through our stuff to come together to become closer and closer, right? So fighting fair. And so I took two Sundays to do that. This was really five things I was going to do in three Sundays. So we've done two and two Sundays. So what does that leave? Three for this Sunday. So we're going to go buzz, buzz, buzz here, okay? Because I am going to get through this. Um, <laughs> some of you are like, I better uh, push my dinner reservation back. <laughs> no. But I do, there are a few other things I want us to notice. Have fun. Stay pure. pure never give up. Have fun. Stay pure. Never give up. So Ecclesiastes chapter 9 says this. Enjoy life with your wife. Kind of right. Enjoy life with your wife. Somebody should write a rap. Enjoying life with your wife whom you love. Now, you got to understand, Solomon was the writer of Ecclesiastes, right? He's a pretty cynical guy. Pretty cynical guy. Because, I mean, he tried the route of what was it, 700 wives? I don't know how many hundreds of concubines. The guy was beyond wealthy. I mean, beyond imagination wealthy. Uh, so kind of the whole idea of, he tried the whole wine, women, and song thing, right? Wine, women, and song. That's what the world's pursuing, right? Wine, women, well, very, anyway. Women, you might not be seeing wine, but anyway, you know what I mean. All the best the world has to offer, so to speak. 
And he got cynical, really, really cynical, because he realized it just all became meaningless. It became meaningless. In fact, in this verse, he's saying, hey, I really want you to grab a hold of this idea. Enjoy life with the companion I gave you. Because guess what? Life gets pretty meaningless. You get up, you go to work, you come home. You just seem like you're in the routine in life. But really, I want you to grab a hold of the fact that in the middle of that, I have given you this gift of companionship with um, your spouse, and you are to enjoy that. Make sure that you have fun. Enjoy life. Uh, I've been thinking about this. I've been doing a self-examination in my own life enjoying life with Nicole. And I've thought about all the things that we enjoy. Uh, is this happening? Is it um, where, where does it need to happen more? Are we, getting, are we allowing life to just squeeze this out of our relationship? All those things. And inevitably, I've been brought back to, through my sequence of thoughts, I've been brought back to thinking about also when we were dating. Do you remember when you were dating? I want you to think about that. That's what I'm trying to do. Think about when you were dating. I've been thinking about that. And in fact, just coincidentally, we've been unpacking stuff, you know, like the basement stuff that you wait a few years to unpack or whatever. And um, those boxes that you don't need. But so we've been trying to really get that in order, get the basement in order. And inevitably you come across stuff, right? Boxes, you're trying to consolidate and out of one of those boxes fell this, this fell out of one of those boxes. Or maybe it was in a drawer, I don't remember. And Sage got a hold of this and that was the end of the story. So Sage, she could probably tell you all, I know she can tell you all about this. But you know, when Nicole and I were dating, uh, we started dating in October, right? And so when February, Valentine's Day came around, which is Tuesday night, this Tuesday, um, there you go. You have no excuse now, men. <clears throat> um, we had been dating three or four, three months, four months, whatever. And my wife's really crafty, if you know that about her. She enjoys making stuff, something out of nothing. She enjoys, she's just crafty. She made me this little thing for Valentine's Day. I've been walking down memory lane with this, thinking about, you know, I just remember our dating day. This is our love story, okay? And once upon a time, in a faraway place, and it's the college where we met, you know, um, there was a girl, she's got a little caption, I'm so lonely, and met a boy, Chip, I'm so lonely, and they fell in love. This kind of stuff, right? You guys do this when you're dating, right? It's amazing. You call somebody and it goes on and on. You can ask Sage about it. She'll tell you the whole story. I'm not sure I want you to see the pictures though because, no, I'm teasing. I've been thinking about, we, we get this really when we, when we meet, right? I mean, we can talk on the phone for hours to one another. I mean, I think sometimes you can either like stop talking and just listen to each other breathe, you know, kind of stuff. Some of you are laughing, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, when you start coming together and, and, 
the kindling of, of love starts, man, you just enjoy that time. You're looking forward to it. You, uh, you know, it's not a matter of if you're going to get together to do a date. It's what is going to have to move in my schedule because this becomes high priority, right? Remember the time and the communication you had with one another in your dating? Yeah? Okay. A few of you. The rest of you must have had arranged marriages. Right? Where you just are like, you're going with them and that's... Yeah. I've been thinking about that. I think that that kind of... I don't know what, passion is what God intended for us through our marriage. I realize there's the puppy love, infatuation, honeymoon. So I'm not looking to recreate that. But that deep longing to connect, that, that enjoying life together wasn't just for the dating. You know, men are kind of like that, you know. We're kind of hunters, right? We, uh, we enjoy pursuing something. We hunt something, and then we have it. We move on to something else. Unfortunately, that happens in, you know, don't say amen, wives. But all the things he did to get you all of a sudden just disappeared, right? And you're like, what? That can happen. But I think God is saying here to us that life, that kind of, I'm thinking of Jesus talking to the church or those people about you need to find your first love. Remember when you came to the Lord and you had that love and somehow, I think that, ha- that can happen with marriage. I think that's what he's trying to say to us. Make sure that you enjoy, get purpose that that relationship I gave to you is what you enjoy. You enjoy that. Life comes crashing in, right? Life comes crashing in and it's so easy for us to, to not experience having fun in our marriages. I would say this, fun is not a luxury in your marriage. Fun is not a luxury in your marriage. For healthy, godly marriages, I believe the scriptures are telling us, experiences teaches us that it was created for it to be enjoyed, enjoyed together. And all, all, if we look back at our own experiences or we understand what creates that dynamic of having fun together, it's built around time and communication, right? Time and communication, time and communication, time and communication. Those are the necessary ingredients in this. And so I just want to drop three things with you. Now, I will admit to you today that I did not have the guts to put up the scriptures I wanted to today. You're surprised by that, aren't you? Put up a lot of scripture. We put up a lot of scripture this series. But I really wanted you just to be able to to hear what I'm saying and not wonder about what in the world Song of Solomon was talking about, okay? But the Song of Solomon is a beautifully written book written by God intentionally for us to capture this aspect of our lives, this romance type. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what the guy does and how he, how he woos and how he, 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 uh, he, he's just quite the regular Don Juan DeMarco. 
And God sees favor in that. And that's, that's exactly, he wants us to have this passion, this romance in our marriages, in this relationship. And out of that, there's some things that you can see him doing that are just good principles for us. And I would say that if you and I are to experience having fun in our marriage, one of the things that has to happen is we have to have face-to-face time. Face-to-face time. Um, so often communication in marriage ends up being business time. Uh, who's going to get the kids? Uh, he's got soccer and she's got dance and who's go- I got to get the oil changed in the car and we're out of milk, I got to stop by the store and the air conditioner broke down and all this kind of communication that yes, we're connecting, we're communicating, but we're really not having a face-to-face intimate connection with one another. <clears throat> you know, men like headlines, women like details, right? We recognize that. And if that's true, then face-to-face is especially essential for uh, uh, females. It's just how they work. It's how they go. It's, I can't not talk to you and then expect everything to be healthy and great, and right? And so guys, if this is true, and it is, and this really is on us to make sure that we recognize that, you know what, I might not need as much face time, face-to-face time although I think you'd be surprised, but they really do. So I'm going to commit to this, that in this whole ball of wax of enjoying life together, it absolutely follows that we have to have face-to-face time. And so I would simply, I'm, I'm, I'm good about, I, I'm, I'm big about being simple. And I would simply say this, you must have a date night. You must. Think about when you were dating. You absolutely made that a priority, didn't you? Right? Well, guess what? You say, well, I already know who they are now. <laughs> Some of you, no, I'm not going to say that. Not going to say that. Guess what? We are always growing as people, experiencing life in different stages. It's been often that I've looked at Nicole and thought, good grief, I've lived with you for 13 years and I didn't know that about you. Wow, you're becoming this person, right? Because we believe in God developing our lives, developing our character, developing us. And so you might, I would hope the person that you married has they have become more of a complete, mature person with more things to talk about, more perspectives to enjoy, more, you see what I mean? So this never stops. And just as in dating, we would have never thought of not having a date night. Or maybe a date week, you know, like every night. This is true in marriage. You must have a date night. You have to have that face-to-face time when you're connecting with one another beyond who's doing this and what are we doing here, the business time of your relationship. But two, I would say side-to-side time. Say, what does that mean? I believe that there's a 
there's a, there's a part of life that you, we should be finding as a couple things that we enjoy doing together, that we walk side to side with, right? Um, I enjoy golfing. Um, my wife actually enjoys to golf. We've actually done it. But at this stage of her life, guess what's not, guess what's not on the menu? Golf, right? Hey, kids, we're going to go golf. We'll be back in four hours. It's not going to work. So I could go ahead and, <laughs> sure, I could go ahead and just all my time golf, 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 but our relationship's going to suffer if I don't say, you know, I, I enjoy to golf, and I don't, I don't think you should stop doing those things that you enjoy. But if I am so intent on just golfing and not finding things that her and I have in common can do together, enjoy together, side by side, having fun, enjoying life together, activities hobbies, whatever it is. What I'm trying to say is don't have completely different things where you never, never do things together. Right? Amen. And the third would follow, and I'm not gonna spend much time on this and you'll see why. Belly button to belly button. All of a sudden it got real quiet. Hey, and I would say it follows that if you have good face-to-face time, good side-to-side time, what's naturally going to also be in the ingredients is belly-to-belly, belly-to-belly, whatever you want to call it. Listen, a part of the way that God created us, made us with the desires and drives is that in the marriage relationship, sexual intimacy we would find fulfillment in one another. We become more complete, better people. We understand love and relationship and intimacy with this in the mix. God gave it to us as a gift. And it's, it's given to us to draw each other. I love the idea of the mingling of souls. It, it is a spiritual act also. God is saying, listen, enjoy life with the one I've given you. And it's in all these different ways that I've given you to connect with one another, to develop this this fulfilling, life-giving relationship with your companion. Have fun. Amen? All right. Face-to-face, side-to-side, belly-button-to-belly button. You go do your own assessment. You go do your own analysis. Are these things happening in my life? Because God designed and created us for, to do that. The other thing I want to talk about is stay pure, though. Stay pure. Listen to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all. That's a key phrase, by all. I'm going to share that in a minute. And the marriage bed kept pure. The marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. You say, Chip, why in a marriage series do you hit on this? Because this has become a huge threat in our society. It's always been there. It's always been there. But I would say more and more this is being a huge threat in our society. Let me ask you three questions real fast. Feel free to raise your hand on any of these, okay? When you started marriage, when you started your marriage, did you have a goal to commit adultery? Anybody want to raise their hand? 
Did you have a goal to become addicted to pornography? Did you have a goal of having an emotional affair? Giving your heart to someone else. Not physical, but really starting to feel, share feelings and desires. Connecting with somebody other than your spouse on an emotional level. Did you ever have that as a goal? Not a one of you raised your hands. That was three of the safest questions I've ever asked. I knew no one was going to raise their hands, right? We never go into marriage having these as a goal. Yet, our society, the society that we live in would tell us that well over 50%, in fact, closer maybe to 75% of marriages deal with one of these three things. That's why I'm taking time to mention it. In fact, 1998 to 2008, University of California did a, a survey. Those 10 years, so it's been eight years ago, they found that in America, the percentage of adultery committed in marriages more than doubled than what it was before. Just in 10 years. Just in 10 years. And so it would be foolish of me not to mention this when we're talking about how to have a godly marriage. There is a real present threat out there to our marriages. And that is this. Scripture has much to say about it. It reminds us, it warns us to have safeguards, be aware of it, safeguards in our lives. Quite frankly, it tells us just honestly more than anything else to just flee from it, get as far away from it as possible because it so quickly and easily can enstangle us. And I will tell you that in every church that I've pastored, because some of you today might be thinking, why, this isn't me. This isn't me. In every church I've pastored, it's been, it's happened in the church. Somebody in the church? Absolutely. Because it's a real and present threat that we must be Staying pure. Why does it happen? Well, I would tell you, I think it's, there's some things. There's more temptations than in the past. There is. Do you realize right here, this device I'm preaching a sermon on right now. Just a bunch of words, right? And you're hoping that the end of the scrolling is quickly. On this device, I just could punch a button I could turn on the web browser and within 10 seconds defile my marriage. Right? We are living in a day where there's more temptation than ever in the past. Ever! And so we need to be aware of this. We need to realize that in godly, healthy marriages, staying pure is essential to it, but it also is something that could grab at any one of us at any time. People are getting married later. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Because I'm now as a father, I'm pretty interested in my kids not getting married at 19, right? Like some. But what happens is, as we get married later, so often people are carrying sexual baggage into their relationships. And so when they carry those baggage in, it causes, it causes, um, it causes a, a mindset sometimes that that wasn't as sacred because, you know, I've been with this, this, you know, I'm not even going to throw a number out there. I'm not trying to, forgive me if I'm being offensive, but, you know, 
and, and so there's not, and so we get into a marriage and hey, um, this isn't meeting my needs. I'm just gonna go on to someone who, you see what I mean? We're getting married later, we're carrying more baggage into. That's why I think what this scripture says, marriage is to be honored by all. It's so important. He says by all people. That is even people that are not married yet. That's why, listen to me, those of you that are not married yet. You do yourself a huge favor and you do your future life of marriage a huge favor by staying pure right now. In fact, I would tell you this, that the best way to prepare for a pure marriage is to live a pure life today. You just avoid a lot of baggage. And you put yourself in a better position with the threats of this in your life. I'm not saying you're bulletproof by any means. By any means. Stay pure. And the third is a growing sense of entitlement. And we just have a, I'm entitled to this, this, and this. And if this isn't working out in my marriage like I expected or thought or what the TV show says or what the, the, the whole picture I have from the world, then I'm just going somewhere else to have that need met, right? A growing sense of entitlement. And all the while, the scriptures are screaming at us, please, Please, God's design for marriage is to stay pure. It's so important to keep that healthy dynamic is that you have to stay pure in the middle of that. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter five says this, that, but among you, the church, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. This matters to God it's important to him. Now, when I'm saying this, I'm sure some of you are sitting there thinking, Chip, you have no idea. Maybe you're, sta- you're, you're, you're here today and you're already in another marriage and maybe you caused the other one and maybe it had to do with pure uh, sexual purity. Or maybe today I'm talking to someone who's, who's dealing with some of these things, with pornography and... and um, Issues like that or connecting with somebody else that's not your spouse. And, and you're just sitting there and you're just basically pounding me in the ground farther. When you say this is how you should be, you're just literally, you know, what in the world, how do I, what do I do? I would tell you it takes a tremendous amount of healing, but God is interested in healing your life. First of all, healing you as a person First. Allowing God to heal you and giving God a chance to heal your marriage in these areas. So I don't want to I don't want to stand up here with a billy cloud. I'm trying to be very strong today because I feel like we are in a culture where divorces are happening at alarming rates. And I want to be a guy who stands up there and says, It doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to happen. It's not God's design. But I also want to tell you that God. I, I've witnessed it as a pastor do unbelievable things when some of this has taken place. There is hope in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. There are responses, though, if you're in that. I would just warn you or tell you, responses to this, you can get defensive. Well, this is why I do this. 
Or if they did this, I wouldn't do this. Or it's not that bad. I'm amazed. I read psychology articles, psychology journals. I enjoy that stuff. I'm amazed by what our culture's telling us. Telling us things like psychology, experts telling us things like, well, you know, it actually probably enhances your marriage to look at pornography. It actually helps your, you know, all this just stuff. And so we get defensive if we get in this and we're just like, well, see, you know, and it's not that bad, not that big of a deal, blah, 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 blah. And you get defensive, I'll tell you right now, it's hard, it, you will never fix it. You will never fix it if you're defensive. Or we get remorseful. <laughs> Man, I just, I, you know, I'm just, I feel so bad. But yet, you know, we're all sinners and I just can't, um, it's just, I, I just feel awful, but I can't seem to get out of this. And kind of that whole, we're remorseful about it. God calls us to one other response. He calls us to one response, and that's repentance. That's an acknowledgement that I'm broken. I need to be healed. I need to be forgiven of this. I need to deal this, with this with the Lord, then my spouse. But I am willing to do whatever it takes to make a 180. And that means... When I'm repenting, you know what? I am a transparent, open book. I'm amazed sometimes when it's happened um, and one spouse, they really don't want to, you know, but well, I've, that maybe, they, maybe, they've, maybe they've had an affair. And, uh, but then they get frustrated with the, the other one who says, listen, you got to build trust again and so I, I want access to your phone. I want access to your computer. I want access to this or that, you know? And they're all like, well, I just don't think that's fair. They're so controlling. I'm telling you right now, repentance says, I don't give a rip. I don't give a rip. You can have whatever of mine you need to see. You can put an ankle collar on me and GPS track me all day. That sounds a little extreme. But. What I'm trying to say is you come to an attitude like, oh my goodness, I have messed this up and all I care about is fixing it. When that kind of attitude comes into play, a complete turning, there's a chance for healing and redemption and restoration. Stay pure. I have sat there and looked into the eyes of people who have taken this step, who have crossed this line, and I can't tell you even the emotions that you see in their eyes, the eyes like a gateway, right? You can see the pain and the despair and the disillusionment as they just look at you with pain in their eyes and say words like, I would have never even walked down that road if I would have known it would have messed things up this much. Stay pure. A threat to our marriage is this, and it is not worth it at all to step over that line. 11.36, all right. The last thing is never give up, never give up. <clears throat> it's quiet in here, isn't it? Wow. I'm sorry, I, didn't, I hope I didn't put you to sleep. I'm trying to be passionate about this because, man, it, it, it is a growing threat in our society more and more and more. And I think God is using it to destroy marriages more and more and more. Please stay pure. Have fun. Stay pure. The third is never give up. You see, often we think of marriage as a contract, right? A contract is what? It's based on mutual distrust. When you sign a contract with some, 
somebody. It's really, honestly, you, you are distrust. You, you're, there's a mutual distrust. Because what you're doing in that contract is you're making sure, you're making sure that they do what they say they were going to do, right? And your rights are protected. Amen? We sign a contract for that. It's really coming from a negative type I'm going to protect what's mine or, you know, so a covenant is based on a mutual commitment. And so often our mindset in our world is contract. Marriage is a contract. And you're going to do this for me and this for me and this for me. And when you don't do this for me and this for me, then I'm going to just rip the contract up. I'm going to just say you didn't meet my demands or you didn't meet the contract. We're going to rip it up. Start over, or it's got, you know, contracts have like dates on them, right? To the end of the year. We have that kind of mentality. When, G, when, when God's design is a mutual covenant, is a covenant between a man and a woman. Think about the vows that you took. Forsaking all other. Only unto you in rich, poor, sickness, health, whatever other words you said, they probably had those in mind. It was this mentality, it was this mindset of a covenant relationship. What did you say? Till death do us part. And so that is how, that is the mindset and approach that we take to maintain and have godly marriages. I remember Billy Graham a story about Billy Graham. One time his wife, Ruth, was interviewed by a reporter and said, you know, Billy has had like this, this amazing career. I don't know if you call it a career, whatever it was. Um, and he was gone a lot, traveling, preaching, doing crusades. And, and sometimes his wife had to really raise the family while he was out. Sometimes he was gone a lot. The reporter asked, you know, so how did you feel about that? Were you ever tempted? Here's Billy doing the Lord's work, gone so much. Were you ever tempted to divorce Billy Graham? And Ruth looked at the reporter and said, no, I was never tempted to divorce Billy. I was tempted to murder Billy, <laughs> but I was never tempted to divorce Billy. You see that kind of mindset? Now, please, don't use that. No one go murder your spouse and say, hey, it was better. But that kind of bulldog, never give up, I'm going to sink in, right? That's why Galatians says this. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to the flesh reaps the flesh, the spirit, the spirit. And I would leave you with this. You reap what you sow. If you want to be in a place where your marriage is not threatened and it's not, we're at the point where I'm just entertaining the thoughts of giving up, giving up. I don't know if I can make it through this. I don't know if I can do another day. I, I just want to give up. I want to, I would remind you of the law of sowing and reaping. And I would remind you that you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. If you reap into your marriage things like complaining and comparing and competing and all those, any other C words you want to think of right now, if you, if you sow those things into your marriage, that's what you're going to reap and you're going you're gonna to be tempted to give up over and over. But if you reap, if you sow into your marriage things like grace, forgiveness, and patience, 
understand all those things you're going to so you're going to reap in your marriage those things and the, the giving up is going to be like in the objects in the rear view mirror they're farther farther away you reap what you sow but you also reap where you sow you reap where you sow in your marriages if you want to create an, an environment where you not be tempted to give up sow into the right things If you sow as a couple into your kids every ounce of energy, you become a child-centered marriage. And you know how many times we all know this phenomenon, right? What happens when the kids leave the house? You You go to the courthouse. You stayed together for the kids because you sowed into their lives, sowed into them, and didn't, you didn't sow into each other's lives. Where you sow matters. Remember, this relationship is foundational for all of those other relationships. You know what Johnny and Susie need more than anything? They need your marriage to be healthy and strong and Christ-filled. That's what they need. They don't need you to live, both of you, just for them. For them and just, you know, what ha- I see it happens so often. Where you sow. If you sow into your career, 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 just don't have time for the kids, too busy, got to take another overtime shift, got to do this, career, career. If, you, if you're, that's where you're sowing in, you'll reap kids who are not close to you and who don't want, and your marriage will absolutely suffer. And you'll be tempted to give up. And you'll be tempted to give up. You'll be tempted to turn it in. Reap what you sow, or you reap what you sow and you reap where you sow. But the promise is this. Let us not become weary in doing well. Let us not become weary in seeking God, fighting fair, having fun, staying pure. Let us not become weary in that because at in due season or in the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. A lot of you can testify to that. You've experienced it. You've stayed in this together. You've tried to, you've figured it out with one another. You've done all these things and the blessings, the harvest that you've reaped in your family, you could stand up here for hours and talk about it. Don't give up. Continue doing well, doing good, seeking God, fighting fair, having fun, staying pure. The benefits, the reaping of that harvest is beyond what we can even imagine. Father, Lord, thank you for everybody's patience. And Lord, uh, I just pray that we've dropped some things in today that you're talking about that are showing us what we can experience in this relationship. Thank you for the companionship that you give to us, this gift of marriage. Lord, help us to be intentional with this, to take this to heart, to believe that you can do incredible things. I realize I'm talking to people who are broken. Some are saying, hey, I wish I'd have known this the first time I was married, so to speak. Or, or other, and, and the idea here is not to, to uh, make people feel worse about themselves, but to say, hey, right where you're at right now, allow these things to take place in your life. So Lord, remind us of this. Teach us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Have a great day and a great week.